Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you recently handled a case where one brother was suing his two brothers, your clients. What happened? Well, Dennis, the two brothers struggled but succeeded to build three restaurants. But when the third brother returned from being out of the country for 20 years, he sued to get one-third of their business. He claimed an oral deal between them because he had once worked as a cook for them. So what did you do? Well, during trial, we got him to acknowledge certain key dates and to his complete lack of documentation. So when his side rested, we asked the court for what's called a directed verdict, a motion that gets rid of a case after fatal facts come out during trial. And the court agreed, shooting down all but one of the brothers' causes of action. And we settled that one for a very small amount and excused the jury. And justice was done. My friends, you know that I trust Barack Lurie with my own business and other legalities. So to make sure a deal is done right, call him for your own legal issues at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Park, 866-575-8111. This is the Brucklery Podcast. With me is my good friend and producer, Ari David. Always a pleasure. And uh, we uh, have some very sad news to share, um, you know, that you've no doubt heard about the news. Uh, what happened in Israel recently with the uh, two monsters, um, Palestinian monsters, who decided that it would be really neato to go in to a synagogue in Jerusalem and uh, butcher them with machetes and other knives uh, while they're praying. Rabbis, you know, um, five of them died. I think four of them were rabbis. Well, 12 were attacked. So far, five have died. Oh, is that right? Three of them were rabbis, and three of them were American citizens. Yeah. Anyway, it's, um, you know, they always find new ways of horrifying. It's, it's not as if they, they do the same thing over and over again, right? It's not as if they continue to fly planes into buildings. It's not as if they continue to to uh, to do the machete thing uh, with in a synagogue. This is new for them. They always do new things. They're very creative. Uh, then they the blow up buses, and if they don't blow up buses, now they run over people with their cars. Okay, this is this is the new thing. Um, or they randomly stab people. So this is their creativity, right? They're the blow up restaurants and and pizza places. That's the only thing that 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 the Arab world seems to be creative in is to find new ways of creating horror. How about that? That's where, you're re- that's where you really excel, my Arab friends. And, and the, the irony of it all is that, uh, is that they claim that they're doing, that God is merciful on this. Allah is merciful in the process. How they, how they square that, doing these monstrous evils, and at the same time believe you know, deeply in, uh, in a merciful Allah. How, how do they do that? I just, I, I always wondered about that. As they're beheading people, uh, which we'll talk about, about the latest beheading uh, in a moment, but as they're beheading people, they, they sing this prayer. As they're doing it, saying Allah is merciful, Allah is all-powerful, all, you, know, all, you know, Allah is so glorious and so wonderful and merciful as they're beheading this guy. Where, where their logic is, is just so beyond me about this. But again, you know, you're expecting logic out of madmen. So I guess that's my, my, uh, my silliness to believe that. Now, speaking about the most recent uh, slaughter 
and beheading. This is from Peter uh, Kessig, was it? Kessig, but he okay. changed his name to Jamal something when he converted to Islam. Yeah, so he converts to Islam. That's, that's, that's my main point, is that he converts to Islam having gone over there on some sort of missionary work or some sort of compassion work, which is fine. It's great that he does that. He gets captured, and, and he really believes in Islam. This is no joke for him. He, he's sincere. But you would think that these monsters would think, uh, hey, you know, he's one of us. You know, he's a fighter for us. Why, uh, why would we hurt him? But they went in, you would think that, they, that he's giving them everything that we, they would want, that he's giving his body and soul to and, and, and surrender his soul to Allah. But that's not good enough, apparently, for them. You give them what they want, and they still kill you. So this is, this is the nature of the beast. This is true of all evil, right? It, that's one thing you can guarantee about evil, is that you cannot placate them. Yeah, the second you show loyalty to it, you're the first one shot. Right. So you can say, we'll be nice to you, and they'll, they'll laugh at you, and they'll kill you. They'll demand that you uh, release uh, their political prisoners. They'll demand that you give up land. They'll demand that you pull your soldiers out of this or that Arab country. And you think that that's going to be the end. No, it doesn't work that way. It, it, they're going to continue on, and they'll just take it as a sign of weakness. And the only thing they do understand in very simplistic term, is when you, when you treat them like garbage. And, and they are garbage. And they, they've, reduced, they've made themselves garbage. I'm not speaking about all Muslims, of course. I'm not, not all Arabs. But I'm talking about these mother effers who have revealed themselves to be garbage. You are garbage if you do any of this stuff. And you deserve to die. Okay? Um, so the, the mystery to me is, is about that. How um, they can square that, where they, they're somehow compassionate and at the same time kill one of their own who's converted. You would think that, that he would be great, that, that this would be a, a voice for Islam in America, yet another converted person. But that wasn't good enough for them. We see the same thing happening now with um, the left unity group. There's apparently, I don't know if you know about this, it's called the left unity group, and they have decided that they're going to take on uh, support of ISIS. And this is a group in, in America. Uh, they're as Caucasian as you and me. Uh, they speak English like you and I do. They're as American as you and I are. And uh, they decide uh, that they're going to join ISIS. Not to join ISIS, but to support ISIS. And what do you think ISIS is going to do with that? Do you think that they're going to be placated? That they're going to say, hey, that's, that's good to go. You know, uh, well, we've got some support here. We won't attack them. You know, my father came up with a very good, uh, interesting story, a storyline. This was about 10 or 15 years ago that he came up with it. And he said, wouldn't it be funny, a, a fun, kind of interesting story, a drama, where a town decides that, you know what, this Islamification thing, is, it's, it's going to happen here in America, too. And a small town decides that they're all going to convert to Islam. And they will, uh, therefore, appease their oncoming conquerors, and they'll leave them alone because they're Muslim already. Don't worry about it. Just spare our lives and we're, we're good to go. And then, of course, my father correctly said, well, uh, watch what happens. You get killed anyway. There's nothing you can do to satisfy these monsters. And here's the good news that you can take away from all this. Is that when you, it leaves you no choice, doesn't it? You don't even have to think anymore. You just have to attack these mother effers and kill them. 
Don't appease them. Don't try to find the magical words that will satisfy them, the ma magical deeds that, that might satisfy them. No, just destroy them. That's your only answer. And guess what? It's the only thing that they respect. How about that? Focus on that and you might get somewhere. Now, uh, I want to talk about um, something that we have been talking about uh, many times, you and I, Ari. As you know, we've made many predictions. And one of those predictions, uh, I think it was called Predictions for the Future, and then we had another follow-up uh, podcast, More Predictions for the Future. Do you remember this, Ari? Uh, of course, I remember it. One of them uh, w was about predicting uh, that pornography, for example, would become not only really rampant, um, it'll become so mainstream that that uh, young women in particular will just choose uh, pornography as a legitimate a career choice as uh, being a secretary, uh, being uh, I don't know, an attorney, being a doctor, whatever. That's what they'll do. Um, and uh, you, Sally, what do you want to do? Well, I think I want to explore pornography. It's, it, it's got some good benefits. And, oh, okay, good for you, good for you. And no one will judge them and things like that. Right? That was one of the things we predicted. We predicted a tremendous amount of different things. We predicted about polygamy being a little bit more uh, pervasive, incest being more and more accepted. Marrying animals. Marrying animals, all of which have turned out to be true. And what you and I expected, Ari, and we may have mentioned this on the, uh, the podcasts that we made these predictions on, is to say, let's revisit this two years from now, three years from now, assuming that we continue to make podcasts at the time, and I hope we do. And we, we imagined ourselves two, three years hence talking about these uh, stories. Well, you remember, you know, back then, you know, we won't necessarily have old guy voices, right? But, but we'll, we'll say, you know, we, Ari, you and I, we predicted this, and here's the podcast to prove it. But we never expected that it would, the predictions would start coming true only a few months after the original predictions. And, and it's frustrating because it's right there. I mean, I, I tell my, my wife, I tell my close friends, I predicted this. And here's an article saying exactly what I said it was going to be. The polygamy is going to be much more accepted. Incest, much more accepted. And, and not because it's, you know, Congress is going to pass a law saying we like polygamy and polygamy is now the law of the land. No. It's going to be for lack of enforcement. That's why. And eventually, at some point, it'll be so unenforced that you'll be in a position where when somebody says, hey, let's, let's uh, enforce these polygamy laws you know, against polygamy, people will say, well, why are you so old-fashioned? I mean, everyone's doing it. What, are you going to tear up all these marriages now that are between three or four people? Good luck with that, Mr. Lurie. That's what's going to happen. That's going to be the same with, the, with gay marriage. Right or wrong about gay marriage, the reality is if the Supreme Court came down with a decision right now saying all uh, marriages have to be between men and women and that's sacrosanct and, and whatever it is, not even sacrosanct, that it's perfectly fine for any state to prohibit marriage uh, between uh, same-sex couples, everyone would say, too late, too late. Anyway, that's the prediction that we made. And one, another big prediction we made is that in, within 15 years, Notre Dame, the famous uh, church in Paris, would become a mosque. And I got a lot of flack for that. I, I also said it on my Sunday show. And they said, come on, that's absurd. And they, 
everything's absurd, right? But don't, don't forget, folks, that gay marriage was also absurd once upon a time and not so long ago. It was absurd 20 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. It was absurd. Even six years ago in California, it was absurd. The yeah. voters decided it was absurd. Well, but they, they but it was, a, but it was, a, but it was a legitimate, but, but enough people voted against Proposition 8 that it was a sizable, not majority, but a sizable minority. So, so it wasn't absurd. It was an argument, okay? But 10 years ago, absurd. Okay, so, so get, get first to that. And then and remember how things happen. You, you look around one day and, and just like all sorts of problems and ailments, ailments, one day you discover, gosh, you know, you know you, you've been so abusive as a husband that your, your wife has left you. And, and it seems like, wow, she suddenly left. No, it was a slow burn. It happens like that. And sometimes good things happen. You know, you, you eventually find yourself promoted to general. You, you don't get promoted from private to general. You get promoted from private, then to sergeant, and so on, until you get to that point where you rise in the ranks. So it's both in the good and the bad. But here's how Notre Dame, and this is what we said. First, people will start praying right outside the cathedral itself. Muslims, they'll, they'll start doing daily prayers, they'll bow toward Mecca, and then the police will do nothing. They'll say, you know, they're not bothering anyone. You know, it's, it's a house of worship, uh, you know, what's wrong with that? They're not, you know, advocating killing anybody. Why, why are we going to stop them from that? And there's a lot of Muslims in this, in this city, so we don't want to cause a, a big ruckus. Let's let this die down and, and we'll be done. And I can go back to my wife and kids and, and we'll watch some uh, Jerry Lewis because, <laughs> you know, we French love Jerry Lewis. <laughs> That's what the policemen will think. And uh, it's just better not to make waves. And then the next week, maybe the next month, they do it again. This time with maybe one or two more people. Right? Again, nobody responds. The next month they come with twice as many people. And they stay a little bit longer. And then they say again, well, we didn't bother last time. And let's maybe not bother this time. And then the next uh, six months from then, after this happens on a monthly basis, um, everyone's accepted. They're not violent or anything. And, you know, they've already established a nice track record. Now they want to go inside the cathedral. Just, you know, in the vestibule, not necessarily at the, 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 the crucifix portion in the front. I, I don't know exactly the, the nomenclature, but they don't go... Right there. They just go in the vestibule in the beginning, and they pray inside the building. And again, they're not in anyone's way, and the police do nothing. Right? Do you see where I'm going with this? And this is a very secular country anyway. They don't care. There's no... Well, who's there to fight for Christianity? Yeah, Notre Dame isn't even really a church. It's a tourist trap. It, no, it's a tourist trap. That's all it's it is. Been a it's a, it's a historic... You know, to, to not be as cynical, it's a historical landmark. That's what it is. Yeah. Okay. So the, the people who will stop them from praying are nobody. Nobody. There are no Christians to, to get out there and fight for their cause. Yeah, there's no regular congregation. No. There's no uh, group of nuns or priests who are doing weekly services who find this disruptive. Right. They, they won't say, you know, slowly push them out. They, and then they will have to hire the police anyway because nuns and priests are not famous for uh, being muscular and pushing people out. So then uh, they get more and more of a toehold in there. Now, now, now praying inside the cathedral becomes more and more the norm. And then they have more and more people. 
And then they try to say, look, you know, we're going to reserve this for this Friday. We'd like to do this. And I hope that's no big deal for you. Uh, but we're planning to be there on Friday. And we really do need the space because there are not enough mosques in Paris, after all. And you guys are not using the cathedral. I mean, let's, let's face it. No, Come on. or we'll even pay for it. It'll oh, be, it'll be yeah. wonderful money for the city. The yeah, city that's right. needs money. Oh, that's a good point. So next thing you know, they're, they're there. And then the, after a while, it becomes kind of a regular thing yet again. And then after, oh, I don't know, say 15 years, they declare it a mosque. Well, let's, let's, but, let's but wait, back wait. up one step, which I think is, is important to mention. And they'll call this a lot of times a beautiful interfaith outreach. Oh, yeah, that's true. At some point, there's the, right. the interfaith the outreach. That yeah, way. that's true. It'll be celebrated. Yeah. Uh, so long as you don't have expressed your faith in the same process, because they believe, you understand, that believing in Jesus is the same thing as idolatry. Okay, so I, I can guarantee you the extremist Muslims uh, and the ones who want to want to uh, make a toehold in, uh, in, in Parisian society consider you Christians to be idolaters. That's what they think. Okay, so they'll say, please cover up the Jesus uh, thing there. Okay, we just covered up. We're not actually taking down, just covered up while we're here doing our Muslim prayers. Okay, just, that's all. And it'll keep on going like that. And eventually, nobody will want to go. There'll be fewer and fewer people wanting to go to the, to the church to visit it because they don't want to see Muslims praying. And it'll be intimidating. It's intimidating, and it's a reminder to them, yet again, that Muslims are taking over. And, you, and, and they'll say, okay, you know, it's a little bit dangerous, too. I don't want to, I don't want to be there. So fewer and fewer people visit the church. More and more Muslims, in turn, do go to the church, and they take over. And they'll take over the entire block. And then slowly but surely, they'll start making small changes inside the church and outside. Soon you'll see... The will turn to half moons or crescent moons on the, sea, on the, on the roof. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll buy some... Make, they'll, they'll create some makeshift minarets. Those are the things that are kind of surround a mosque. And next thing you know, Notre Dame, it's a mosque. And it, it can happen much sooner than 15 years. What's that you say? Come on, Brock. This is a very interesting hypothetical that you're saying. I understand what you're saying, but I just don't think it's going to happen. To which I say... Remember what I told you before? But this was a prediction, and our predictions tend to come true. It just happened. Not at Notre Dame, but at Westminster Abbey, which might as well be Notre Dame. Westminster Abbey in England, London, very famous. Famous religious church, right? And what do we see? We see, I counted approximately 15, maybe 20 Muslims praying at the garden right at the wall of Westminster Abbey. And did the police stop them? No. It's exactly the scenario that we predicted. And it's just the beginning scenario, but it's, it's happening. And it's going to continue happening. My friends, that, you know, this is not genius on our part. It is, it is maybe wisdom on our part. It's maybe experience speaking on our part. It's maybe connecting dots on our part. But it's not that much harder than any one of my, you know, three-year-old's puzzles, where you can start seeing how the puzzle pieces are going to fit and what picture is going to emanate from that puzzle once the puzzles, uh, once the pieces of the puzzle are all put together. It's not that hard. And it just take, it takes some stepping out of your usual ordinary day and ask your, asking yourself, what is the natural consequence of, of time? What, what's going to happen going forward if trends and, and patterns continue? So 
I, I think it's obvious. Now, Ari, you made a very good point that this is, this is not just in uh, Westminster Abbey, but it also happened in the National Cathedral in, in Washington, Washington. D.C. And I forgot about that, and that's absolutely right. And people are not making this comparison, uh, these connections, rather. And then, and then to make it worse, a, uh, someone in attendance who took offense to this tried to heckle or say something and was escorted outside by security, as if their protestations are so off the wall and unreasonable. Right. Forgetting that, that the hecklers are actually the Muslims who are the ones praying inappropriately in front of the church. They should be right. the ones who are the, the quote-unquote hecklers. And uh, the heckler is, uh, you know, he's been deemed. Everything's been turned upside down. Who's the heckler and who's the, the person actually giving the speech? Yeah, and doesn't the heckler have First Amendment rights to protest this takeover? You would think so. But wh where was the, did they, did they obtain a permit? Uh, to, to, to stay there. I suppose that they actually obtain a permit, then they could, they could argue, yeah, we have the right to be here for, the, for this allotted time period, and you, Heckler, really should not interfere. But I don't think that's what happened. If, I, if it did, then I'm wrong, but I, I don't think it did. Um, so anyway, this is what you can expect to see in, um, in the future with the national uh, trends that are happening throughout Europe. Europe, as they say, is already lost. And I, and I feel they're right, um, especially in Paris and uh, the outskirts of Paris, where there are no-go zones. I mean, these people live in a, in a fantasy world, that the Parisians who still have their neighborhoods, they don't realize that right outside their little comfortable banlieues, which is a neighborhood in French, uh, or arrondissements, right outside are places that you would never think about going. You know not, not to go there, but you just... It's just a little Berlin. They're making little Berlins within their own communities. And you want to wake them up, but they don't want to be woken up. And now, no one asks the questions, or of course we'll take the action of doing or saying, well, what if we went and prayed Christian or Jewish prayers in their existing mosques? What would then be the consequence of that? And we know what the consequence of that yeah. is. Violent reaction. And, and not only violent reaction by those offended, right. but... Um, uh, the authorities who are there to enforce the law would come down on those of us who are non-Muslim for disrupting and committing hate crimes against the Muslims. It sure is easier, isn't it? It sure is easier to stop us, the people that uh, probably will not try to uh, engage in violence of any kind. So it's easier to get us to stop than it is to stop the, the Muslims who are possibly volatile and might engage in a massive riot, right? Or accuse you of racism. That, that, that you won't get from the Christian who is there to, to complain and, and speak up. The Christian would not say to the policeman as he's escorting the, the Christian heckler out, he won't say, this is outrageous, you're, you're a racist, um, and start kicking him. That won't happen. And the policeman knows that. And this is like the, the uh, I think it was, in some, yeah, it was a demonstration in Washington, D.C., in front of the White House. There was a big demonstration. It was an anti-Israel demonstration. And some Israelis uh, were... Some Jews. Some, some Jews had a, that's right, some Jews had a uh, counter-demonstration to say why they, why these pro-Palestinian uh, jerks were wrong. And what happened? The police escorted the Jews out. Uh, why? Because they said, this is for your own safety. Like, well, wait a minute. 
how, how did you make that determination? So you, you just, you automatically assumed in a racist way, you can even say, that the, the Muslims were much more likely to engage in volatile behavior, and you knew that the Jews were gonna be peaceful. So you kicked out the Jews. Who, by the way, have the right to stand up courageously to mouth of course, well, that goes without right saying. Of course, it goes. With, yes, yes. Uh, the First Amendment. Of course. Yeah. This, in other words, but this, they were but this is not for their own safety. Yeah, th th but that's. But it was enforced for their own good. Yeah. It was, but but the 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 bizarre nature of all this is what we're all talking about right now. I mean, Ari, you brought up a point. It was an interesting point about, um, and I don't want to describe it the way that I think you originally described it. But we've got, uh, you know, anti-apartheid situation going on in the way we treat uh, Islam versus Christianity slash Judaism. Islam on the one hand and Christianity and Judaism on the other hand. They expect to be able to pray in our synagogues and to go into our synagogues and churches and to go into the public forum and say whatever they want to at any time of day or night. And they, uh, on the other hand, say that it's an affront to their religious sensibilities if we Christians or Jews want to do the same thing and pray near their mosques. And it's an affront to their religious sensitivities if when they want to engage in, in, in quotes, interfaith dialogue in our facilities, if we say no. Right. That's right. So, so it's, it's a, a rigged uh, game in both directions. It's a, of course it's rigged. It's, it's a heads I win, tails you win, a tails you lose. Um, the, the same thing is true at, at, with Israel at large. They, they expect Israel to be open and uh, allow many different uh, Muslim communities to thrive, uh, to survive and thrive in Israel. And they'll fight for that all, the, all day long. And they'll be right. I mean, Israel is a, a very diverse culture and has great, um, great uh, greatness for everyone involved. Um, but they expect uh, Israelis, and for that matter, Jews, not to uh, encroach upon their land, or better yet, to settle upon their land. The West Bank is not their land. It never was their land. It's all a big joke, but they, they want, you know, Jews are allowed to be there just as much as, as Muslims are. But when Jews do settle in small towns in the West Bank, well, that's an affront to their religious sensibilities. But you understand that the Muslims are allowed to have their towns and to be able to be part of society in Israel somehow. That's anti-apartheid, that's the opposite. It's apartheid in reverse, put it that way. It's like what we call reverse discrimination when we talk about affirmative action, right? This is reverse apartheid. It's a reverse apartheid and reverse discrimination, I think the clarifying point is, because the people who are of the minority that are being oppressed are those in those in control of the country are part of the people who are being oppressed doing the oppressing to themselves right they're not oppressing the others that's exactly right oh I like that a lot um, look here's the point folks and here's the concern we have and and are you concerned our dear listener are you concerned that uh, are you seeing these patterns like we're seeing them because we think they're actually fairly obvious and are you concerned that all of our predictions are coming true. I, in fact, I don't know of one prediction that we made that has been proven wrong. And even worse than that, Ari, not one prediction that we've made that hasn't actually come true in some form or, not, or another. We talked about uh, even the pornography one where the, the woman talked uh, exactly as, as if it was a profession. 
To put and herself through college. To put herself yeah. through college, and, and that this is the new norm. And um, she she spoke exactly like this is a very normal thing, and she said this is the way. It, 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 she proved our case for us. We talked about polygamy. We talked about incest. We talked about uh, you know, marrying animals. We 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 talked uh, we, and we talked about the what what will happen with Notre Dame. We talked about all those things, and they're all happening. And we're just seeing the beginnings of these little markers. This is what they do, and uh, they see weakness. And the okay, so begs the question: What do we do? How do we respond to this? Right? I mean, that's that's what the listeners is asking right now. Great, Ari and David. Okay, you've identified the problem. What do we do? And here it is. The good news is there's only one answer. We don't have to even think about the answer. We don't have to think about the perfect word choice. We have to say no. No more. And we have to arrest people who are trespassing. We have to kill people. We're not saying that. We are saying cut that crap out now. And if you don't, you know what? You're arrested. At the very least, get off our property. That's where I want us to understand that. If you want your culture to survive, you must stand up for your culture. There is no other alternative, my friends. There's no appeasing them. There's no saying, hey, we can all get along because you know what? They don't want to get along with you. They just want you out. When you understand that, maybe we'll get somewhere. Maybe we'll have some progress and maybe turn back the tide that's happening in Europe and it's beginning to creep here in the United States. This is Barack Lurie. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you real soon. Carries us out.